friends, hallelujah, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. It is the second Sunday in Easter, so we are still boldly proclaiming our hallelujahs. And I am so glad you are with us for worship today. A couple of reminders for you. Next Saturday at 9 a.m., there will be a mulch and outdoor work day around the church building. And at 10 a.m., so kind of overlapping, we will have outdoor worship fun where we will talk and talk about and make prayer beads together. You are welcome to join us for both or one or the other events. Also, I encourage you register the small children in your life for one week or a whole summer of Luther Ridge Day Camp at Nativity. Check out our Facebook page and the e-news for more details. Let us continue with our confession and forgiveness. Blessed be the Holy Trinity, one God who creates us and forms us, who redeems us and calls us, who unites us and sends us. Amen. Gathered into God's presence, let us confess our sin. Mighty and loving God, we confess that we are captive to sin and cannot free ourselves. We seek our own way. We divide the body of Christ. In your mercy, cleanse us and heal us. Let the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our hearts and everything that we do be filled with faith, hope, and love. Amen. My friends, hear the voice of Jesus. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to proclaim release to the captives. And so, in the name of Jesus Christ, I proclaim to you that your sins are forgiven and you are released. The joy of the Lord is your strength and the gifts of the Holy Spirit are yours forever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Almighty God, with joy, we celebrate the day of our Lord's resurrection. By the grace of Christ coming among us, enable us to show the power of the resurrection in all that we say and do. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. First reading is from Acts, the fourth chapter. Now the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions, but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them for as many as owned land or houses, sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The second reading is from John, the first chapter. We declare to you what was from the beginning, what we have heard, what we have seen with our eyes, what we have looked at and touched with our hands. 
concerning the word of life. This life was revealed, and we have seen it and testify to it, and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us. We declare to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us. And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him while we are walking in darkness, we lie and do not do what is true. But if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us. Forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This is the Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that first day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father sent me, so I send you. When Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, then they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But Thomas said to them, unless I see the mark of the nails in his hands, and I put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, Jesus' disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then Jesus said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written about in this book. But these are written so that you may come to believe in Jesus, that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, 
and that through believing, you may have life in his name. This is the gospel of our Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. My friends, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel story for this week, the story of the disciple Thomas encountering the wounds of the risen Christ, is one of the few in the three-year cycle of the Revised Common Lectionary that never changes. A mere seven days after we reclaim and shout hallelujah, we're invited to struggle alongside Thomas. We're invited to say the heretical thing that many of us feel deep down inside. Unless I see for myself, I will not believe. We're invited to feel wary, skeptical, and dare we admit it, envious. Envious of those who find faith easier to sustain than we do. Envious of those who have experienced Jesus more dramatically than we have. Envious of those who, for whatever reason, don't feel a deep cognitive dissonance between the truth of the resurrection and the ongoing reality of death in this world. And yet Thomas gets a bad rap as the one we have labeled over the years as Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas. It's a common phrase used to describe someone who shows any kind of doubts in life or is against any big idea for one reason or another. However, in the gospel, Thomas isn't asking for anything the other disciples haven't already willingly been given first. If we go back and hear our gospel for today, we hear when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And after this, Jesus showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. We could ask why Jesus does this the first time, but I think it's because Jesus knows that to human eyes and minds and hearts, the idea of the resurrection is absolutely nutso. The whole idea of the resurrection, even though Jesus has been preaching and teaching about it all along, it doesn't compute with our human understanding. Because remember, it's not anything human minds can comprehend because the resurrection is stuff of God and the divine. So Jesus shows the disciples proof right away because he knows that they are filled with doubt and that they're scared. Jesus knows that the disciples are filled with all sorts of doubts and fears and sure, They've heard from Mary Magdalene and the other women, and Peter and the other disciple have seen the empty tomb, but the disciples who have yet to have an encounter with the risen Lord are, to use a modern term, a little freaked out. And so Jesus willingly shows them his wounds as proof for their human eyes and minds and hearts to comprehend. 
All of which brings us back to the disciple often called Doubting Thomas. As if he demands more tangible proof than his fellow disciples and friends, but in fact he doesn't. He just forthrightly asks for what the others have already received, including the opportunity to inspect Jesus's wounds. But for some reason, in the history of the church and in our own understanding, we have come to know Thomas as the one who is reluctant to accept the testimony of his fellow disciples because of his insistence on physical proof. In this way, Thomas becomes for the church and for us one who shows signs of stubbornness or of a weak faith. But I disagree. I am grateful for Thomas's honest skepticism and his brave doubt. Thomas reminds me that the resurrection story is difficult to understand, difficult to accept, difficult to internalize, and difficult to apply to our lives, especially in this ongoing age of the coronavirus where our lives continue to be marked by pain, loss, uncertainty, and death. When I look at Thomas, I see a man who yearns for an encounter with the living God. A man who can't and won't settle for someone else's experience of resurrection, but sticks around in hope of having one of his own. A man who dares to confess uncertainty in the midst of those who are certain. A man who recognizes the Lord in woundedness, not in glory. But maybe what strikes me most about Thomas's story is not that he doubts, but that he does so publicly without shame or guilt. How different would our churches be if we embrace doubters as generously as Jesus and his other disciples embrace Thomas. The disciples give space for the cynic, the holdout. They allow him to voice his skepticism and name his yearning to see the risen Jesus with his own eyes. Though they freely share their testimonies with him, they simultaneously give him time and space to encounter Jesus on his own. Meanwhile, Jesus meets Thomas right where he is, freely offering the disciple the testimony of his own wounds, his own pain. And so with that in mind, what does it mean that for years and years, the church has seen doubting as something that is bad, or wrong when this just isn't true. I mean, I have doubts all the time. The very human doubts of my own abilities to do the things I do and fill the roles I'm responsible for. And in this age of continuing to live through this pandemic, my doubts have just expanded. I'm doubting everything from my ability to parent to my ability to be an educator for my son who has some very specific needs of his own, 
my ability to be a friend, my ability to be a spouse, my ability to take care of myself, not to mention my ability to be a pastor. And now I don't share all of this so that you can reach out and offer support and encouragement. Rather, I share so that maybe you won't feel so alone in your uncertainty, especially during these times. But what about those, what we have labeled doubting Thomas doubts? Oh, my friends, I often have big time doubts in matters of faith too. And I think I've heard, I think you've heard me say this before, but I also know it's worth repeating that for the past 13 years of pastoring and presiding at communion, every single time, every time I get to the words of institution, you, you know that part in the night in which he was betrayed, I have a fleeting moment of doubt in my head and my heart. And I wonder, how is all of this possible? How does all this work? How does God make this all happen? Every single time. But before I can even comprehend my doubts, I take a breath. I keep praying those words of institution and I remember it's not my work. It's God's work. It's not my action. It's God's actions. And so I can stand there as a doubter and still be a faithful witness and a disciple. Because the opposite of faith is not doubt. We can be both faithful and filled with doubt because we are human. And in the witness of Thomas, we have been given the space in the Holy Story to claim our doubts alongside our faith. The good news is that our faith is not entirely up to us. Even Martin Luther says in the small catechism, I believe that I cannot come to my Lord Jesus Christ by my own intelligence or power, but the Holy Spirit called me by the gospel, enlightened me with gifts, made me holy and kept me in the true faith, just as the Holy Spirit calls, gathers together, enlightens, and makes holy the whole church on earth and keeps it with Jesus in the one true faith. It is the Holy Spirit that gives us faith. It is the Holy Spirit that works through us in our times of doubt. It is the Holy Spirit that moves with us through times of anxiety, distress, fear, and yes, these continued times of isolation. Jesus' wounds and Thomas's doubts. Welcome, my friends, to the life of the week after Easter Sunday. Welcome to life in the shadow of the empty tomb, where Jesus honors the desire to see more, experience more, encounter more. Where Jesus blesses those who struggle to believe, but stick around anyway. Where Jesus leans towards those who yearn for more of him, where Jesus leads with brokenness so that we might follow him into glory. During this week after Easter, during these hard times, may we find solace, hope, and courage in the wounded 
and risen Christ. Amen. We are gathered by God into one church through Christ. Together with our siblings throughout the world, we confess our faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended to heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. On the second Sunday of Easter, <clears throat> let us pray for all in need, responding to each, to each petition with the words, Send us your peace, O God. Grant the beauty of your peace to all of nature, its springtime flowers, its wildlife, its terrains. Restore waters, cleanse the air, and save lands that have been misused. Inspire us to care for the whole of your creation. Hear our prayers for the earth. Send, Send us your, your peace, peace, O God. God. Grant the power of your peace to the nations of the world. Halt all impulses toward violence between nations, in our city streets, inside our homes. Lead our government into wise decisions concerning migrants, especially the youths. Bring an end to ethnic prejudices in our land and guide judges and juries to enact justice throughout each court proceeding. Hear our prayers for this country. Send us your peace, O God. Grant the well-being of your peace to all who suffer. Visit all who are ill, especially those suffering from COVID-19, those without access to the vaccines, and those with strained medical resources. Comfort with your merciful presence those who are distanced from family and friends, and all who are lonely or distressed. Hear our prayers for the sick. Send, Send us your peace, peace O God. God. We praise you for embracing your people with the wounded arms of Christ. And we bless you for all who died in the faith. At the end of all things, bring us with them into your everlasting peace. Hear our prayers for life beyond our understanding. Send, Send us your peace, peace O God. In praise for the new life you grant us in Christ, we raise our prayers to you, trusting in your never-ending goodness and mercy. Through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. My friends, please take a moment in your homes to share a sign of the peace with the people in your household, text a friend, throw a message down on social media, make a plan to call a friend later today, or pet your pets. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, you loved this world so much that you gave your one and only Son that we might be called your children too. Lord, help us to live in the gladness and grace of Easter Sunday every day. Let us have hearts of thankfulness for the gift of your unconditional love. Let us have eyes that look upon your grace and rejoice in our salvation. Help us to walk in that mighty love and grace and tell your good news to the world. All for your glory do we pray, O Lord. Amen. My friends, may the one who brought forth Jesus from the dead raise you to new life and fill you with hope and turn your mourning into dancing. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. You are the body of Christ raised up for the world. Go in peace. Share the good news. Hallelujah.